Welcome to the Stuff and Junk Show, where we share our opinions on random subjects from interesting news, social topics, pop culture, our likes and dislikes, things to see, heard, or read to what we did, and what we do, you know, Stuff and Junk. Hello, my name is Albert, and once again, whenever I talk video games, I usually invite Louis, who is my uh, co-writer, co-artist for the Who It Worst Why comic strip. Louis, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back, Albert. It's nice to see you. Talk to you again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, so this week is E3 week. Uh, some of you listeners will probably say, oh, E3, that was like two days ago. No, no, no. Traditionally, this is E3 week, right? Because if you also combine uh, the Summer Game Fest, which is what Jeff Keighley does, it's part of E3 in a sense, because you're still talking about video games. Not only that, but as of this recording, we haven't even seen the uh, Xbox uh, Game Showcase Extended Edition, which is on Thursday morning. So, But this episode will be released after that, so you listeners will have, should have been able to watch that. But we'll forgo that for now for this conversation. We are going to be talking about highlights from E3, like our five takeaways kind of situation, and pretty straightforward, all right? So, Louis, what are the five highlights from E3, or five takeaways? Five takeaways. Okay, so for me... Let's start with the good things. Okay. So I love Breath of the Wild 2. Yeah. I like that they stepped away from... I, I thought it was just going to be like, oh, here's a generic facelift. But they really went like the whole opposite way. And I'm kind of glad they're taking the time to make that game better and something different. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at the trailer, if you told me that was Breath of the Wild 2, and I'd be like, whoa, that looks like a different game. It doesn't look like it's built on the same engine, but it has a totally different vibe. It's almost like, um, what is that Studio Ghibli movie? The uh, Castle in the Sky. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. It, it gave me a lot of those vibes, like a lot of that natural, like the color aesthetics that they chose was very Studio Ghibli-esque. But at, at the same time, do, do you think they're they're making this game for the rumored Switch Pro, and that's why it looks better? Yes, absolutely. It's it's really weird that they didn't take E3. Like, they didn't announce the Switch Pro because for sure it's going to... I thought it was going to come out this year, but if, if Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out next year, it's going to release with next Breath year. of the Wild 2. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It almost seems like uh, Nintendo is going to forego the current Switch generation and transition to the Switch Pro. And as quote-unquote the next console that can happen to play the regular Switch games. I'm thinking that might be where Nintendo's going, but it's all that's yeah, all speculation. Yeah, I think we're going to be in that situation where it's like, oh, you have a 3DS? Mm-hmm. Well, I have, uh, I have a Wii or I have a Wii U, you know? Right, right. And it's kind of like you're either in one market and you're in the other market. And I feel like the Switch is going to be the all-around thing. You know, like, oh, most people in their households are going to have a Switch. But for the like really hardcore, I need to have it in the best resolution. It's gonna be the Switch Pro. So you don't think they're gonna do? I think in a way, if that's the case, then they might be doing what Microsoft is doing, where games will be playable and Xbox One and on the Series X. So maybe that's also the direction Nintendo's going. Kind of like the Wii and Wii U example that that you just said. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like they're they want to cover every part of their market because I don't think they have a problem with selling with the demographic because they don't, they don't have a general demographic, right? You can Mm -hmm. be very young. You can be very old and still love Nintendo. Yep. So their thing is more, okay, we want to get it to you the way that you can take it. Like, let's say you're a student, you can't afford that much, or you, you're a kid. You're going to get, you're probably going to get a switch light, right? For you can take it around with you. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Whereas you're you're an adult and you're not into games, but you'd like to play it, the Switch, and then the gamers is going to be the Switch Pro, you know? Yeah, yeah. But look, look, going back to just E3 in general, since you mentioned Nintendo, I'll also say my takeaway is that Nintendo actually took the virtual E3 seriously. Because normally when they do E3 presentation, they're like covering like one or two big games and we're done, right? But they actually have a shitload of of games to showcase in their in their uh, Nintendo showcase thing, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, and I feel like it was almost, they were holding back some stuff too. Yeah. I, I had the general feeling that they were holding back some stuff, but they're in a different position than the other companies, whereas they have their directs and people wait for their directs, so right. they don't have to feel like, all right, we're going to announce everything at E3 and that's it. But they announce a lot, which is very unlike Nintendo for E3. So that's something. I mean, immediately a lot of those were ports and, and like a lot of nostalgia-based games. So there's that. But I mean, out of the new content, like like the sequel to Breath of the Wild, you know, they got a new Mario Party thing going, a uh, new character for Smash, as they always announce kind of thing. So it's Dude, like... Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread. They're skipping four and going straight to five. You know, it's like, okay. But but yeah, it, they, they, they took it seriously. They took this E3 seriously for some reason. And... I mean, yay, I guess. I think that's the least that they can do. Right. I think it's, they waited a while to do a direct. It's almost been, it was like a year gap that they had just because, you know, every, I think all the companies for E3 were playing catch up, right? Because, mm. you know, a lot of them were closed because of the pandemic and stuff. But yeah. now they're trying to be like, all right, let's start pumping stuff out. Yeah. All right. So what's your next takeaway from uh, E3? I'm really surprised that we're going to get Halo Infinite this year. Really? Why are you surprised? Because the state that they had it in when they showed the initial trailer, I was like, oh, man, it's not going to come out for a while. Just Mm. because you think of what the consoles can do this generation, and it's just like, this is what you guys can come up with, you know? Like, come on. But Halo Infinite is the perfect example of what people are saying that the Xbox One version is going to hold it back. Because the art style for Halo... I mean, it could look super realistic if they wanted to, but they never actually did that. So I don't think they, I don't even the, even what they showed, the cinematic thing that they showed, well, in-game graphics, sure, but it's still a cinematic. Uh, it looks pretty and all, but you know they could do better than that. Unreal Engine Five exists, and clearly they're not using Unreal Engine Five, so it doesn't look that good. But it looks like Halo. I think they're just okay with that idea. Yeah, but that's why the I think that's why they're. That's why I'm still surprised that they were, after all the backlash that they got, they're still going to release it this year. But mm-hmm. from what I saw, like they were talking about free to play for the multiplayer. And I was yeah. like, okay, you guys want to like Fortnite, you want to Apex here, but you want a Halo style. Yeah, I think that's the reason why. I think that's the reason why they're going to release it anyway. I mean, the, the graphics are probably slightly prettier than what they showed last year. But, but people, you know, as people say, people played Halo for the multiplayer and it's going to be free. So. So there's that. Yeah, and I think it's kind of like, let's say the graphics aren't up to par right right when it starts. There's a lot of games that weren't ready for this generation, right? They came out and they have to get updates for the, the newer consoles. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, even if they release it and it's not to the best of like quality, they can always give an update to make it that way. Yeah. No, I mean, they could, but I don't think they will. I mean, the art style for Halo, like I said, doesn't have to be super realistic if they want if they don't want to, and that seems to be the direction they're going. So, I guess 
And this is supposed to be the halo for the rest of the generation too, because they're just going to casually update it as it goes, kind of like all those other free-to-play models that are out there. So, Oh, yeah, they're talking about battle passes, cosmetics, and all this stuff, and they're assuring people that there's not going to be any advantages. Mm-hmm. And then, and then on the opposite end, my takeaway for that is Microsoft isn't treating Halo like their big franchise anymore. It's like right dead smack in the middle of the, of the presentation. Like you figure it'll be like the opening piece or the closing piece, but it's not. It's just right in the middle, surrounded by all the other games. Like it was like there wasn't enough hype that they gave Halo because they know they have all these other games to show anyway. So they're like, here's Halo. You know, that's it. So I'm like, okay. But X- Xbox has me a, a lot of intriguing, like a lot, has me intrigued for this E3 just because I think we've been talking about it the last couple of years, but mm-hmm. I feel like they're even going with a different model than even Steam. But, you know, I want to hear what you will have next and then we can, that's going to be my next one. Okay. But yeah, so, so sticking with, sticking with Xbox here for once, um, before the E3, they did announce a couple of things and they, I guess, Microsoft has been doing this where they'll announce other stuff around E3 and then E3 is just the games. So I think we should mention the stuff around E3. Um, they're going to release an Xbox TV stick, kind of like the Apple TV or the Roku, the Chromecast, where it will play Game Pass games, xCloud games on your TV, as well as smart TV. Smart TVs will have an Xbox app where you can play xCloud games on it. So that, that's like that's like the future of Xbox. It's like, we're going to just have you guys subscribe to Game Pass, essentially, which is pretty awesome. And then they're also, they also just announced that Xbox One is also going to have a Game Pass app where you can stream xCloud on the Xbox One. So if you can't find a Series X, because a lot of people can't find a Series X, you'll eventually just get an app and then you just stream the game straight through Xbox One. So that's, that's pretty smart in terms of like spreading the, spreading the Game Pass subscription everywhere, you know? Oh, yeah. It's... It's kind of like I was in a bring up for the next one. It was um, Xbox is doing what Netflix did mm-hmm. before Blockbuster when they laughed at them and said, "You know, we want we don't we don't want to do a subscription service. People are not going to be into that." Whereas Xbox is like, "All right, cool. They're the they're the Netflix right now, where they're they're jumping into something that other people don't see the profit in, but they've already seen the profit. They just don't talk about it in that way." Yeah. Totally, totally. Well, what what's your uh, next takeaway? Um, I'm excited to see how they, how much further they're willing to bring the subscription base for Xbox. Oh, just okay. because you know, if they have Halo Infinite, they have all their biggest games on there. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's like how we talked for years. It's like you're not going to need a console anymore as long as you have a TV, a computer that plays it. You can play it anywhere. Yeah, I mean that is that, that is exactly my example. You just get the app for the smart TV for anything. Like I said, the future where PlayStation might have an Xbox app does exist. You know, that is a p- complete possibility in the future. We'll just have to see if it actually happens. Although I think the Switch might get it first before before PlayStation does, if it actually does happen. Yeah, definitely. They're like all buddy buddy. I think they were like they were talking about leaks how there's People are seeing that there was like coding for Xbox on on the Switch, but you know, or like they were in talks for it. But I don't think they want to announce it now, just because they're not. I don't think it just like right now. Game Pass has the problem when you play 
on other devices, it says, oh, this is our limited library. You know, about all your games are on there. I think they're going to jump into it when a lot of their games are on there. Um, well, it depends. I mean, it, it, it has a lot of games, but the, the, the whole point of Game Pass is that they don't want to have all the games. They just want to have like a good amount. That, that way you're encouraged to play them, like the back catalog stuff or whatever, or the third-party stuff. And, and then because there's a chance it's going to go away, except for the Microsoft first-party stuff. Like like I said, like comparing to the Netflix model, Netflix has the Netflix originals and they have the back catalog. The back catalog could go away, but the Netflix originals are going to be there. So the first party Microsoft uh, Bethesda stuff, they're going to stay on Game Pass. So that's what's supposed to encourage people to subscribe to Game Pass, like myself. So my question, my question to you is, do you think PlayStation will get forced into that same subscri- subscription base? How could they not? They already have PlayStation Now. It's not really going anywhere. It works. PlayStation now works. All it's missing is is the the day one releases, you know. And then and then uh, this E three that that big giant slogan, you know, uh, day one day one on Game Pass, you know, kind of thing. Like the play, what's it called? A play day one with Xbox Game Pass. Like it keeps flashing on the screen. This year alone, there are going to be for the rest of this year, there are going to be sixteen games that are played day one with Xbox Game Pass. So every month. Every month of your subscription, there is like one or two or three games that is day one releases on Xbox Game Pass. And it's kind of like hard to ignore, especially if you're a subscriber. And if you're not a subscriber, it's hard to ignore because it's such a good deal, you know? Yeah, and I think it's I think they're really gonna capitalize that when people see Halo Infinite. Because Halo Infinite, that's easily that's that's like PlayStation being like, all right, here's a... Here's a new God of War game, and you guys can play for absolutely free if you have our subscription. Mm-hmm. There's no way you would ever get that with Sony right now, especially the, the way things are. But when Halo Infinite comes out, I think it's going to change a lot of people's mind. You're either going to stay with Sony, or you're going to see the like potential that Xbox has. I think, actually, it's probably Forza Horizon 5 that might get some people to play it. Because the one thing that, game, that people that are, game looks amazing. The game looks really amazing, exactly right. But the thing is, though, like if you're not already convinced to get an Xbox for Halo, then nothing's gonna convince you. But I think Forza Horizon Five is the game that might convince people to like, I need to check this out, you know. So I, I and that's day one on Game Pass for like fifteen bucks or ten dollars. You know, you can play that game for a month for just the ten dollars if you really wanted to. Uh, Microsoft Microsoft Flight Simulator looks gorgeous, you know. And and that's also available in Game Pass. So like uh or in terms of recent games, like uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, that's available in Game Pass like as of this week, it's already available for Game Pass. And all those Bethesda's games just came in. You know, and then this year alone, like I said, you have you like like Psychonauts 2, you got Back for Blood, which is like Left for Dead, you get the Ascent, you got 12 minutes, you know, you got the the Gunk or Scorn and all those other stuff games. So it's like there are so many reasons to get Game Pass, and that is the showcase for Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, and it's not even just Xbox. It's not even Microsoft anymore. They keep buying companies like Bethesda. Look, they took they took Starfield, and it's kind of like people knew it was going to happen, and I think that's going to happen with the rest of the games. It's going to be a PC and Xbox exclusive, so it's kind of like not only are you getting Microsoft games, and their first-party developers, but you're also getting the developers that they purchase, right? Mm-hmm. And that's is huge for them because people have been waiting for Starfield for a long time. 
Yeah, yeah. It's Skyrim. It's Skyrim for space, as they call it. You know. So, and you know how big Skyrim is. It's been it's been available for a decade now, and people are still playing it. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, what other takeaways do you have before we wrap things up? Um, I really liked um, Metroid Prime Dread. I w- mm-hmm. that so that that originally was the game that they had talked about that they were killing. So I was I'm kind of intrigued to see what convinced them to be like. All right, let's finish this up and just release it because it looks like a gorgeous game. I don't know why why they would put that on the back burner unless it was kind of just like oh let's let's make a ruse here. Like let's pretend like we're not going to come out with it and just surprise them. Because it's been nineteen, it's been nineteen years since they had a two D, two D style Metroid game. Yeah, but and I think Metroid, I I know there are Metroid Prime fans out there, but I think Metroid should stay side scroller. I really think it should. You didn't you didn't enjoy the Prime games? I mean, they're fine, but I mean, it's, I, I I'm honestly short of Halo, I'm kind of like done with first person shooter games, you know. So it's like it's like I, I I can only take so much of them, and uh, the last one I really played was Cyberpunk, which is first person, but I don't know if I would call it a first person shooter, but but yeah, I mean, mm. I mean, sure, I prefer side scrollers, like a lot of the yeah, indie, yeah. like a lot of the but indie think- games they showed in Microsoft, uh, the Xbox thing, uh, all those side scroller stuff that I'm into those, you know, like Returnal or or uh, uh, what's the other one called? I forgot already. But anyways, those ones. So did so did you like Cuphead? I was surprised Cuphead didn't show up. I mean, Cup Cup Cuphead's been around already. I mean, the, no, 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 the deal, the DLC part. Oh, so they were supposed to. So that was supposed to come out last year, but with all the COVID stuff or like the plague stuff, you know. Yeah, and it um, and, and it, and it and took, just it took them a while to release Cuphead in the first place, right? So. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, I was surprised for them not to mention anything. Like they could have just dropped a little trailer and been like, "All right, we're coming in 2022." But I think it's going to be even longer than that now because now that I'm thinking about it, they're going to release it on multi platforms. They even have it in Tesla cars, so it's kind of like, oh yeah, if you're going to have DLC. It's a lot more work than. Uh, see, the other takeaway I would say, uh, in terms of like the panels. I know there was a whole thing with Take-Two Interactive, but I guess we don't really have to go there. But uh, cheesy skits that are totally annoying and unfunny. I'm looking at you, Devolver Digital. Uh, we don't need that. We don't need that. I mean, come on. You Did you watch it? Or hopefully you did not. Did you watch the Devolver I did Digital? Not. I did not. Oh, God. You're, you're so lucky. Fill me in on the horror. It, it, they, they, they do this like, it's almost like this whole self-referential kind of jokes. Like, like ooh, look, they're so clever. And, and, they're, and they're speaking fast. And they're moving around the office a lot. I mean, it's like they were trying to make like a TV comedy episode or something. And it wasn't funny. Like, it, it's just, just like people are saying about the Take-Two Interactive one. Just show us the games, goddammit. You know, and, and they kept like they're so so into themselves, like, oh, we're doing this skit. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, to you guys, but not to us watching. I mean, knock it off. So my question to you is is E3 still viable? Because it seems like even with an all digital event, mm. they definitely don't get the hype that they need. What what can E3 do? to make themselves on par with something like Comic-Con where people are excited to even just watch panels. Whereas E3, it's kind of like it comes and goes and people that are interested in games watch it and that's about it. 
No, I, I think this is as far as E3 is going to go. Um, the one thing that E3 does do that all the other companies don't, I know Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, they do their own thing. Uh, but they're, that's just them. Like one week, oh, we have Nintendo. One week, oh, we have Xbox. One week, we have PlayStation. E3 this past week, this week, was able to do the thing that a lot of people can't do is have people like watch video game news like four days straight. And that's something that you don't normally get. And I think that's the reason why Ichi could stay relevant, short of every company leaving. So it's going to be like a digital event every year. You feel like it's not going to be a physical event. No, no, no. They're going back to physical because they need the money. So they're gonna they're gonna go physical, but I think the, the the one the one the whole point of E3, even back in the day, is to like celebrate the video game industry for a week, right? As as a whole, as a whole gamer community. The the outside media might not care, but as the whole gamer community, we're supposed to be excited for E3 because there's gonna be game announcements left and right, kind of thing. And and even at the virtual uh forum, they were still able to do that even though some of the panels just failed hard. But they were still able to do that. I and mean, in, in, in part, it was all thanks to Microsoft and Nintendo. You know, they really, they really covered a lot of grounds in, like, game announcements. And then everybody else just kind of fills in the gaps. Especially since they lost Sony, too, now. So, and they didn't come back for the digital event. So it kind of just, just like, concretes the fact that Sony's not going to be attending at all, ever. Well, I mean, so so that 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 would that's my last takeaway actually, is is uh, is Sony. Okay, would you say you you actually miss Sony being in uh, not being in E3? Not really, but you know, I'm not a big Sony. Like, I don't. There's games on there that I like, but I'm not like a PlayStation isn't my first console at my home. Oh, fair enough. My 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 answer to my own question is: if you really miss Sony, I would say I didn't because. They just released Ratchet and Clank. They just had uh um uh what 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 do they call their their presentations? I know Nintendo Direct, Sony State of Play. They had a State, state of, play of Play for for Horizon Horizon Zero Dawn, and then prior to that, they had another State of Play for something else. They they, they were around. I mean, they're they're kind of like like if you focus on just the week, sure they weren't there, but prior to that, they were there. You know, so it, it was like if you go by the whole idea that. Video game news is year round. Sony's uh, state of play wasn't that far away from E3. It's not. It's no different than uh, Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, where they showed Elden Ring on Thursday, like two days before E3, and then Microsoft is even doing an extra one on on the Thursday. You know, so it's like Sony was there. They just weren't there, but they were there. Is what I, is what I'm saying. <laughs> they were there. They were there in spirit. <laughs> in spirit, even their Twitter. That their Twitter was very, very active. Their Twitter was making announcements for uh, during E3. Like when, whenever another company announces a game for PlayStation, there's the Sony Twitter will be like, and here's a game, you know, for, for for PlayStation Five and PlayStation Four kind of thing. It's like they're piggybacking from E3. So they were they were there. They just but yeah, but that's crazy. If I was if I was the president of a company and I just spend the whole year off because of what's going on, mm-hmm. I would for sure. Even if I didn't like E three, I would have been there. There's no way that I would have been like, okay, you know, let's let's do let's do the the norm and not go again. Yeah, no, no. I would have at least done something like even Nintendo's was only forty minutes. It wasn't anything like 
well, here's an hour and a half presentation, you know? Yeah. And, and even then, I like, I, like I'm saying, Nintendo showed a lot for an E3, and they normally don't do that. So they had like they had like an hour of Nintendo Treehouse, and they were just playing Mario Party. Yeah, they did a lot for E3, more so than than Sony, uh, and more so than they've ever done. And of course, Sony, like like you said, Sony didn't even show up for E3. So except for the Twitter account, I'll say that. But like, <laughs> yeah, seriously, the Twitter account was like busting out, like, oh, wait, they, oh, they announced that. Well, we're announcing it on the Twitter too, kind of thing. So, so it's like they're there, but they're not there, but they were there. <laughs> they're they're there. The, the vague ghost of them was there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of hard to ignore Sony not being there. That's why you can't really miss them because they're always there. You just you don't forget that they exist. So there's that. They're always watching. That's, um, it. that's it for E3, but I've been enjoying Lupin. I just finished season two. Yeah, yeah, Lupin's a good show. Uh, I haven't, I haven't done season. Uh, no, season two. I thought it was part two of season one. Essentially, was was that what it was? Yeah, it's part two of it, season one. Because no, because it says. Oh, I guess yeah. I did say part three, right? I just I just count them as seasons. Right. Yeah, it's easier for us to say but, seasons, but Netflix is doing the whole like, well, we're not gonna do episodic, we're gonna do parts of seasons. <laughs> so there we go. I really thought that was gonna be the end of it. It was funny because my wife was even like, Oh, so you think this is it? And I'm like, it kind of feels that way. It's like the build up is like there, you know, they have the setup in the beginning mm-hmm. and now they now that they've got this guy and they got they got the wait, other wait, wait, character. No spoilers, like, no spoilers, no spoilers for the listeners. Listeners Go watch Lufon, okay? It, yeah, go watch it. It's amazing. But and was, you can't, for if, me, I, yeah. I was like, okay, this is this is it, you know? Yeah. And it said part three, and I was like, whoa, part three? Cool. Yeah. And and if, if you don't want to watch it in French, there's an English dubbing, which sounds pretty well, pretty good too. But okay. No, please, please watch it in French. <laughs> please, just I'm, read the subtitles. Don't, and, be, and, don't and, be an elitist, man. Don't be an elitist. Please, Some people don't want to read subtitles. It hurts so bad when you have to watch acting that doesn't match the language. It's fine. It hurts. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Anyways, that's not, that's not, that isn't E3 talk, so that's a wrap there. All right, listeners. Thanks for listening. My name is Albert. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at albert 5 5 Lewis, tell people where they can find you online. So they can find me on Instagram, DKZZ, Xbox. Um, yeah. I'm all, all over the place. Yeah. And, and the comic strip. Listeners, yeah, check out the, the comic strip if you yes. haven't yet. I'm doing the comic strip this week. It's going to be E3. Oh, it is going to be E3. So we're doing back-to-back E3 comic strips. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, music has been provided by the Y-Axis. Contact info, ways to support us and everything else can be found on whowhatwhereswhere.com as well as the show notes. Before we go, Lewis, do you have a recommendation to give to the listeners? Besides Lupin, since you already threw it out there. So go ahead. Um, the Loki show is actually... Re- so that's... Listeners, I'm not a TV person. If I have spare time, it's drawing, painting doing the comic or um, playing games. So -hmm. when I watch TV, it has to be good TV, right? So that's why Lupin was amazing for me. But I also have been enjoying The Bad Batch and Loki. I already like Loki better than I like WandaVision and Winter Soldier. Um, I don't disagree with that. Loki is definitely very interesting. Yeah, yeah, totally. And Bad Batch has been pretty fun. I love Dave Filoni. I'm so glad that he's where he's at because I feel like with him behind Star Wars it's going to go in good places it's only going to be bigger and bigger 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Bad Batch was the show that convinced me that I actually needed to know the story of what happened between Return of the uh, Revenge of the Sith and and A New Hope. Because, you know, all we had was like Rogue One and... Uh, the best movie. You forgot to have the best movie. <laughs> We're not gonna go there. We're not gonna go there. And then, uh, and then, and then, Solo. Those are the th- and and Rebels. Those were the only two that filled in the gap between Return, uh, Revenge of the Sith, and and A New Hope. I never really thought of what happened after Revenge of the Sith, and the Bad Batch was showing that, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I kind of did want to know this apparently. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff in Bad Batch that was that's pretty awesome because it's like, oh, they are talking about this. Oh, they're hinting about this. I'm like, oh, okay cool yeah because they they like specializing stuff and the thing that's cool is that they can fit characters chronologically they can fit them into their story because before before all that stuff you didn't know about the bad batch you didn't know that they were a specialized unit so they can add characters in and out and they can even attach it to rebels or they can attach it to the new obi-wan series Mm -hmm. it's like with shows like that, they can be more open. They're free to tell their own stories without being held back by characters that you already know. Correct. Yeah, very impressive. But Dave Filoni is an expert at this. He knows he knows what he's doing when it comes to this. So yeah, there we go. Loki and Bad Batch, uh, Disney Plus. I guess the other recommendation is subscribe to Disney Plus. <laughs> yes, right now is a good time. And it's funny because Disney Plus. I was like, after Mandalorian, I was like, what do I have you for? But now I'm like. Thank God I still have you. Yeah. Plus, now we have also Luca. Luca's going to be coming out on Disney Plus for free uh, by Pixar. So so there's that. Okay. All right. This was episode 453 of the Stuff and Junk Show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Louis, once once again, thank you for uh, being on the show. Thanks for having me, Albert. Until next time. Until next time. Until next time, this has been a podcast on the Who What Worst Why Network.